Hello and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction Podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Irena Serra. So, time for some melodious murmurings. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to the final episode of Series 6 of the Watford Jazz Junction Podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, do let a friend know and make sure you subscribe. Or heavens forbid, you might miss one of our weekly episodes. You can visit our lovely website at watfordjazzjunction.com whenever you like. And to book tickets to see our gigs here in friendly Watford. And we've got the Tony Kofi Quintet coming up in February with their portrait of Cannonball Adderley. And of course, jazz fans, later this month on Saturday the 30th of October, we have a visit from the Chris Ingham Quartet with their highly acclaimed Jazz of Dudley Moore show which will be the most fun you can legally have in the Watford area, involving a foursome and a fully stocked bar. Now, to business. Today, I am joined by a singer with one of Italy's most sensual voices, a musician who crosses and blends jazz, pop, acoustic and electronica, an Italian Londoner with a scoop of Danish delight thrown in, a composer and a musical artist, and the brains and power behind the group ISQ, it can only be Irena Serra. Irena, hello, how are you? Hi, Chris. Well, that's quite a really lovely introduction. I really like that. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Really, really good. I'm happy to see things, you know, um, opening up again and, and, you know, really glad to, to have, a, have a chat with you. Yeah, you and me too. And uh, starting to get out and listen to some gigs and, and all sorts. So where are you speaking to me from today? Where are you based? So I'm based um, in uh, Dalston Junction in London. So Ooh, very of, yeah, cool. East London. I've lived here for ages. I, I moved into Hackney maybe 16 years ago when it was not quite as cool, <laughs> just slightly more dangerous. And I've just, I've always loved this area. There's so much happening uh, musically and non-musically, but yeah, so that's where I am. Oh, wow. I, since you said, what are your favorite venues? I know you've got sort of Cafe Otto and Earth and whatnot, but... Uh... Yeah, there's Cafe Otto, and then I actually just discovered the Jago, which is really cool and Ooh. has um, it's got electronic music, but also it has live music upstairs. Um, and there's obviously the Vortex, which is literally ten minutes away from me. Um, so yeah, there's there's kind of you know, and then you've got Hoxton and Shoreditch, and you've got you know lots of stuff happening there as well. So it's just a really great area to just you know everything's know, walking it's distance. fantastic and almost as as wonderful as Watford. But uh, you know, I know Dalston's got some you know it's trying its best. <laughs> so you were born in Italy, but you grew up in Denmark. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so I was born in Milan um, and I was there Ooh, very glam know, sort, sort of t- till I was two yes Milan Milan is very glamorous uh, but then um, we moved to Copenhagen Denmark his job moved him over there so we all went um, and yeah it was amazing I stayed there till I was 14 and it was sort of wonderful to grow up in 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 that in that country in Scandinavia just as a yeah. whole and were you hearing sort of music and, and other exciting things as a, as a little girl there? Or did that come later? Yeah, so the, the, we went to an English school and uh, the music department was incredible there. So I was always, I sort of did sort of a, a lot of music as part of my school, which was great, which, you know, had I grown up in Italy, I would not have had that opportunity. It was very, you know, it was based on the English sort of school model. Yeah. Um, and also just in Denmark, yeah, there was, uh, you know, lo- lo- lots of music. And I think it, it really influenced me. Lots of international music as well, but you know they all—they also have you know incredible artists. Um, a lot of them sort of sing in English, but yeah, I'm really influenced by the Scandinavian jazz yeah. scene very much. No, some now amazing as well. musicians come 
and well, have come and yeah. still come from from all three of those nations that come to mind when I think about Norway, yeah. Sweden, and Denmark. But of course, there's Finland and Iceland as well, and and all sorts going on. So yeah. you came to London eventually. Uh, did you come here yeah. to study? What, what what was what was London calling to you? So London was music. I mean, I always, you know, I, I knew I was going to do music. I decided that pretty early yeah. on. I thought, well, if you can do music in life, why why do anything <laughs> else? Um, and um, it was, you know, we sort of did international school. So after you kind of, you know, you finish your high school, that's the logical step, either, you know, the UK or America. Um, my big sister was already in London. Um, and I just, I'd come to London to see her um, when she was studying here. Mm. Um, and it was just, I, I loved London. I remember... I came here, I think, for the first time when I was 12, when we came to visit her. It was her first year at university, and I just I just fell in love with it. So I also toyed with the idea of New York later on, but then it never really quite materialized. Um, but yeah, London London was always the destination for we, me. We've all toyed with New York, Irina. Yeah, I know. I th- it, was, it was actually a, re- you know, I really thought, okay, well, let's do it. Um, and then, you know, then sort of, there's just, yeah, a few things that I couldn't get on with and then Trump got elected and so then I definitely <laughs> couldn't get on with any of that. Yeah, the less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how did you find the London scene? Did you get straight uh, down with the jazz cats or were you exploring all sorts? No, not really. So I, I came here and I kind of did I kind of did sort of music and drama and dance and I did sort of lots of choreography. I was, um, there was there was a time in my uh, sort of, you know, early sort of when I was 18 that I thought, oh, well, maybe I could be a choreographer mm. of contemporary dance and then realized that, you know, they make even less money than jazz musicians. <laughs> no, That's it's pretty impressive. I've never been. Uh, yeah, I know exactly. Um, I had studied jazz in Milan. I had gone sort of the the year before I came to you know university in London. I had um, studied at the um, Academia di Musica of Milan, just the Academy of Music in Milan. And by chance, I'd actually gone there to study classical uh, music. By chance, they said that I was just a little bit too young to kind of put my voice through that sort of training. But there was a jazz tutor hmm. if I wanted to. Um, you know, train, train my voice. Um, and so then I said, okay, well, let's check out, you know, this jazz. My mother was, you know, she she always listened to Frank Sinatra and Mina. So I, you know, I knew what jazz was uh, and I liked it. And so then, yeah, I started taking lessons with her and I studied with her for two years and um, she was fantastic. She's Tiziana Giglione. She's one of the most well-known jazz vocalists in Italy and she really just, wow opened up my world but then I came here and I kind of taught I kind of did musical theater and then I did my classical training um and only then I kind of got back to my jazz I think after sort of three or four years of university when I left university I said actually jazz is what I want to do and so then I started sort of going to jam sessions and you know getting my demos together on CDs Mm -hmm. that's you know when you still got your demos on CDs um and then, yeah, kind of it, it and went it was, from there. It's always been vocals for you. You haven't had a sort of a, a sideshow with a with a saxophone or a flute or whatever. No, no, no. It was always vocals. I mean, you know, we had a piano at home, yeah. so you know, I I, I play, um, and it's something that I want to do more and more. Um, sort of also do solo gigs, just myself and the piano. But it was always voice. I kind of started, you know, it was it was one of those things that I think I, I didn't don't even realize when I started singing, mm-hmm. and I just remember singing from when I was really really little. Um, and it was always about that form of expression because we tried different instruments. I remember my parents tried to make me do a very short stint with a violin, and I just 
just I, I just felt it very restrictive because obviously I couldn't sort of sing and play the violin at the same time. So piano really was the only thing that really stuck. Well, we, we did we did have two violinists in the fantasy house band for a while, but they they they've been jettisoned unceremoniously. So, um, really? uh, but it's lovely <laughs> that you, you were able to focus on the vocals. But I'll you know I, I should say I, I'll have not a word said against the jazz violin as well. As a, as a vocalist and and you're finding your feet in London. How, how, what, what process do you follow or did you follow for sort of connecting with other like-minded musicians? I always think there's sort of more of a, an expectation that you set the narrative as a singer uh, rather than sort of, you know, just turn up as a jobbing instrumentalist before you find yeah. your vibe. You have to set your stool out somehow. I mean, there must be quite a lot of pressure. I found that sort of quite difficult. I mean, I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm sort of quite outspoken and I don't have confidence issues, but because um, I teach now as well at university and I teach jazz vocalists now. So it's definitely something that I see happen again and again. And it's quite difficult when, you know, you're kind of finding your feet, you're going to these jam sessions and you basically have to be the band leader. So there's, you know, an awful lot of pressure to to, to kind of, you know, to, to band lead successfully, which is a very difficult thing mm. to do and it takes a long time to learn. And also the expectation that sometimes <laughs> some instrumentalists just are like, oh, that's the vocalist, he or she obviously doesn't know anything. And it's like, well, of course, you know, there are some vocalists that are very interested in music and even the ones that perhaps just do it instinctively I don't yeah I think that is equally as valid if you remember I mean most of the great singers have done it instinctively there's I I guess in America it's a little bit more still old school like that and you get a lot of singers that perhaps don't know anything about the theory don't know the keys they're singing in yeah so yeah so so it is it's quite a difficult um thing to to kind of find your feet with I am particularly interested sort of in all the you know theoretical aspect of jazz I find it really exciting um so then, you know, mm. I think one of the reasons I went to the Guild Hall, I think, was particularly for that reason, because you turn up as a vocalist and it's not part of your job to kind of read charts and do this, you know. And so then um, I, I kind of went to Goldsmith before and I did some I did music there as well. Uh, but it just really makes you, you know, kind of part of the horn section, which is great which is something that I particularly wanted to experience. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's really important. It's really interesting to hear you say it because it allows you to, to find your feet. Uh, and, and fit in as, as a horn section player may, might, yeah. but without, without, as you say, that pressure of being the band leader from the off. So that sort of neatly brings me on to your band, uh, yes. or at least one of your bands that I know about, which is ISQ. Yeah. So before I delve into them, I just need to know the initials. I am presuming the IS is Ionesera. But what does the Q stand for? Quartet. <laughs> oh, quartet! Oh my God, that's so obvious. I've been sitting here going, I gave, I was thinking, oh, maybe it's like something else, like the Ariana the, the question or something, but of maybe. course, quartet. <laughs> what a doofus. Um, so going back to sort of the, you know, Scandinavian jazz artists that I've been extremely influenced by, um, EST, you know, Esperance Svensson yeah. trio, and Esperance Svensson in particular, were probably one of my, they really, when I heard their music and uh, they were introduced to me by um, Richard Sadler, who's the double bass player in uh, ISQ, yeah. they were introduced to me by him and he kind of gave me a whole load of their CDs and it just really blew my mind. I thought, okay, this is jazz, mm-hmm. but it, it was the jazz that I could hear myself doing and, and really, you know, trying to, uh, it just felt really right. So um, that it was kind of a play on that, you know, EST, ISQ. I've I've got it, and I, yeah, I mean, crikey! It's just because I, I spend I spend my time. Here, people say, "Oh, it's the something quartet or the something quintet." It just never occurred to me, yeah. uh, which is just the state of my mind right now. So, what I have done, um, Eliana, is is I've listened to several of your albums, um, and I know there's a 
an inbuilt minimalism and sensitivity mm. to your tracks. And I believe you're working on your fifth album currently. Yeah, that's right. What I'd like to ask, is there a particular musical journey that you're following through the albums as they're being developed? And what can we expect from the latest album when you're ready to release it? I mean, I think they're all they're all done quite naively I suppose I think it's just like well what 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 do I feel like I need to express at the moment so I don't have anything you know I don't have any preconceptions uh, about what the albums are going to sound like um they've just been they felt like a very natural progression from the first to the second to the third um the last one that we released was a remix album of our third album, so it's a bit of a particular album. It's um, each track was taken by a um, DJ, uh, sort of or producer, and reimagined. Let's say so. It's very yeah. different to the music that we do. We also each, as a band member, decided to reimagine one of the tracks. So we each produced one of the tracks. We thought, well, we have to, you know, let's let's give this album really. Let's make it even more personal. Um, so, yeah, they've just been, they've sort of just been, I guess, snippets of moments of my life. The, the music, for the most part, is a collaborative um, process. So it's uh, either me and the double bass player, Richard Sadler, uh, or me and the drummer, Chris Nichols. Uh, Nadia Sharif has joined us for the last two albums, and she actually mm. just sent me through some music. So, um, you know, she might you know, sort of, we, we were probably collaborating on the, this fifth album as well. So it's just really snippets of where I am in my life at that moment. Uh, this la- the third album really dealt with um, the passing of my mother and sort of death mm. and uh, grief, really, more than death, grief and um, religion. Uh, I'm, you know, I was brought up Catholic. I've lived in quite secular countries. So that... I guess that 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 whole idea. That, that that's interesting. In our last episode, I was uh, in conversation with my uh, brother and sister, and we were reflecting on the nature of spirituality, which seems to have been a sort of underlying theme through all of this series of the podcast. Uh, and it's not deliberate, but I'm really uh, interested in finding out the response that you need to take into a, a potentially a Catholic upbringing that that wasn't necessarily for you, uh, but how you use music. And, 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 and what you write from both a personal perspective to achieve spiritual uh, enlightenment or potentially cleansing or whatever versus putting music out there that, that helps others connect spiritually. How much of a sort of, I don't mean this in a, in, a, in a mean way, but how much of a selfish act is the making of music for you and how much is it a giving act for others I think probably before you know when you're younger it just you are more say you you know I think less has happened you you are more selfish so now more and more it becomes much more I've even noticed just even in my songwriting pronouns so it's not just I at all now a lot of the mm. songs are she him or one you know just just about so you're focusing you're putting the focus on someone else and also it means that I think people can connect to a song more rather than just I. Yes. And also, I, you know, I think music is a spirituality. It's definitely gotten me through the hardest times of my life. And, you know, in all religions, music is, is quite an important part of most religions. But yes. Yeah. Um, so it, there is just, you know, kind of people making music or singing together. And it's like this way to... I mean, you see it with jazz musicians. Improvisation is, is really, you know we're communicating on a really deep level and yet we're not using words 
you know, and you're, yeah. we're being so, you know, we improvise, we're creating this and we're sharing it also then with the audience. So for me, that's like, you know, that's just, that's, that, that's a real spiritual energy and it usually elevates, you know, it kind of brings out the best in people. It, music can also bring out just, it can bring out lots of emotions. So it doesn't necessarily always have to bring out the best in people, but. Mm. And, and before I get on to my thrilling quiz, I did just want <laughs> to go back and ask you a, uh, a bit more about the revision and the remixing, because I did listen to a couple of the remixes. Yeah. And I didn't quite get it at the time, but I now understand that it was it was self-created. And I thought, blimey, you've got to be brave to give your music over to others like that. Because normally remixes are done and ask permission afterwards type thing by, else, by others. But to seek the remix from up front and to badge it under ISQ, etc. Yeah. I, I think that's extraordinarily brave. What were you looking for from the process? Well, um, so a lot of the reviews we've had have actually mentioned that it kind of sounds like dance. But there are elements of dance yeah. music to our music. You know, this was pre pre the sort of uh, remix album. It was an idea that we had toyed with since our first single, This Bird Has Flown. Our, our music kind of falls in that sort of 140, 120, 140 BPM, which is sort of perfect for anything electronic. And all, mm. obviously it was a project born out of lockdown when, you know, everything we had thankfully just finished the tour of the third album. And so then lockdown happened. We did our last gig at the beginning of March and then lockdown happened two weeks after. And so me and Richard, um, we kind of said, OK, well, what do we do now? And and then we sort of, oh, maybe it's a good time to release a remix. And then um, I don't know who actually mentioned it, but um so yeah, I don't know if it was me or him, and we decided to just do a whole album, you know, to actually just remix the whole album and to ask, you know, collaborators, sort of friends slash colleagues that we, you know, knew and admired, that we knew their work, so we knew that we really liked their vibe. But when we did get mm. in touch with all of them, and they all mostly said yes, it was carte, carte blanche, so they really could do whatever they wanted, and it was really interesting because a lot of them got emailed me and said okay so where do you want me to go with this because obviously they get that a lot no the artist wants to have mm. control whereas uh, we really did not we, we said you know once we give it out to the world whatever comes back comes back and whatever comes back is going to be on the album yeah um and i know i hope other people now you know listen, listen to them if they haven't if they haven't yet because they they are sort of a real surprise and, and a joy because if you listen to that album then you listen to the remix it's like oh did yeah. not quite expect that or, yeah. you know, and that's what I mean about Brave. It, it, I think it's really cool. Um, and it certainly adds more from, from you know, it just proves how music connects and evolves. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, from especially doing jazz, a song is a blank canvas, isn't it? It's lead sheet. Sure. It's like chords and melody. And then Sarah Vaughan did her interpretation, Miles Davis. You know, you can have these incredible, very different interpretations. So we just kind of pushed that agenda a little bit. And we just said, well, our songs are blank canvases. What do you hear in our songs? I know what I hear. But, yeah. you know. And then just to conclude on, on this piece, the, the, the fifth album, have you got a name for it yet? Are we, uh, yeah, how I far do. in the process I do. I'm not, are I'm not, you? I do have a name for it, but I'm not going to reveal. Ooh, <laughs> uh, but what, I mean, are we expecting sort of, I don't mean, mean this in a dismissive way, of course, but is it sort of more of the same or are you going down a new path? What's the... What's going to be the vibe? What can we expect? Yeah, so with the third album, we introduced electronic elements. So there's, you know, Nadia is on synth, I'm on synth. Yeah. I've got a vocal effects unit. Uh, Chris has electronic drum pads. Richard, um, you know, has bass pedals. 
And it's something that we've incorporated in our live shows as well. So yeah, yeah. I feel that we're going that way as well. But still some tunes are, you know, just sort of, you know, you're stripped down jazz quartet and just that beautiful, you know, acoustic feel that you can only really get with with that, that stripped down feel. But yeah, we're, we're trying stuff out. I think this album we're going to really, really explore. I think I, I, I always get to a point in the middle of, you know, kind of writing an album that I know where it's going to go and I'm not there yet. So it's, you know, it could it could become anything. Of course. Well, how exciting uh, yeah. and uh, fretting of appetites where well, we can't wait. When, when, when can we sort of expect it? Early next year? or towards Yeah, well, I'm hoping I'm hoping autumn 2022. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Well, we will have you back then so you can tell us more about it. Uh, so... Uh, Sella, uh, from a little research, I noted some influence of Madonna in yes. your early days. Um, and so for my quiz today, we're playing the Queen of Pop Off against all things Italian. So are you ready for my devilishly hard quiz of five quirky questions? <laughs> okay, I'm ready. <laughs> right, question one. Madonna phases. Do you choose Material Girl of the 80s, Erotica of the 90s, or something else? Erotica of the 90s. Yeah, that's because it's I the coolest. I love that. <laughs> just brilliant. I mean, even just that track, the product, just awesome. Question two. I'm dining in Italy. Pasta or pizza? Oh, pizza. It's going to have to be Ooh, pizza. She's committed. <laughs> With extra pineapple on top, right? Mm, no. No, I'm a really classic girl, so it would just have to literally be like a red pizza. Uh, so not even, you know not even cheese um and just basil wow. just you gotta you oh gotta my God, strip you're it a down purist. yeah you gotta strip it Oof. down hold on it's gonna take a moment there <laughs> to recover no cheese right question three the films of madonna desperately seeking susan or evita um i know there are many others but this is the desperately choice. seeking susan because that was much more her yeah yeah, although I will give a shout out to Avita because I think it's it's wonderfully made film. Right, question four. It's the penultimate question. Drinking in Italy and serious drinking. Do you choose Aperol, Limoncello or Grappa? Ah, oh, God. It has to be Limoncello because I hate Grappa and I hate <laughs> Aperol Spritz. So it's going to have to be Limoncello, which I have spent many um, and intense summer nights with a bottle of limoncello. So we yes. applaud it and your honesty. Uh, and yes, kids, grappa, if you get the wrong stuff, it's not to be messed with. I swear I sort of stripped my throat with it once and stuff my uncle brought back from Italy. It was unbelievably strong. Right, final question. You're almost there. And let me just tally up where you're at to. So you've done four and a five. Um, yeah, you're on 71 points. Um, question five. Madonna's on holiday. Where in Italy is the best place to go on holiday? Well, I'm half Sardinian, half Sicilian, so I'm really spoiled for choice. So I'm just going to plug the island that I go to in the summer. Oh, it's the Watford Jazz Junction special. Yes, exactly. This is a little insider tip. Um, it's an island called Isola di San Pietro. It's uh, in the south of Sardinia. So you fly to Cagliari and then it takes about an hour nice. to drive to the port. And then you have to take a ferry. And it's literally, um, you know, heaven on earth. But just anywhere in Sardinia or Sicily, you know, you're not going to have a bad holiday. Well, you heard it here first. We love the recommendations. Now, it's time for my set question, Irina. Um, there is a jazz basis to your work, obviously and unmistakably, but there's also a mainstream pop accessibility and a gentle electronica that pulses and really all sorts. As a result, I find it hard to pin your work to any specific genre. And my question 
Well, my discussion piece is, should you train within one genre and then mix things up? Or should you look to keep it broad and never pin yourself to a specific style? Discuss! Oh, okay. Well, I think it totally depends on the person. So people uh, learn and make music in totally different ways. So it's whatever really resonates with you. For me, I'm one of those people I quite really like to get to the nitty gritty of any genre. Like I really like to understand it. It's also a confidence thing. You know, the more I understand it, the Mm, more I feel really mm. secure. And so for someone like me, you know, I really, I, I sing lots of different types of music when I don't sing uh, yeah. with ISQ. I sort of sing more traditional jazz. I sing Brazilian music. I sing gypsy jazz. I have an Italian group. Uh, you know, you have to wear many hats in London. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it totally it totally depends, you know, what, what you want to do. For me, um, you know, you, sort of growing up in the, in the 80s and the 90s, you know, it's, it would be, not true to who I am to make music that sounded like it had come out Mm -hmm. in the 1950s just because of all the influences I've had and that's how I want to express myself but for different people it's different things you have some people who you know write the most incredible songs and they don't even you know they can barely you know kind of play two chords on the guitar and they don't even know what chords they're playing and yet they play you know they create the most incredible music also people that perhaps you know produce on a computer and don't even play an instrument and yet they're doing incredibly inventive things so it totally depends of course I'm a big fan of just um just kind of you know, sort of practicing in whatever way that that means to you. Practicing can be, you know, really, you know, writing, composing a lot. And so becoming better at songwriting or, you know, really working on your instrument, becoming a great vocalist, a great instrumentalist. So I'm just, I'm a fan of hard work. Um, Because for the most part, I think that is what yields results. However, hard work is very different um, for very you know, for different people. So, um, and I think as a musician, I love so many different things that I, 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 I don't, yeah, I, 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 when I hear people sort of pass judgment on someone who perhaps isn't as, you know, technically proficient or hasn't done Mm, this or mm. hasn't done that, it's like, well, first of all, listen to the music. I, you know, the, the background, yes, great to know the background, but, um, you know, and, and all the artists that we love, I mean, if you look at it in today's world, then, you know, Billie Holiday sure. was untrained. Lester Young was untrained, you know, but of course they weren't. They, you know, then also there were like three gigs a day, so they were playing so much more. But, you know, what does that even mean? It's just whatever you need to do, so you have to be really honest, to get the best out of yourself. So, yeah, that, that would probably be my response to that. Fabulous. So thank you for your wisdoms and insight. Okay, we are at that stage of the show. Uh, it is top three album time. So, what albums do you go back to again and again? Okay. Um, well, obviously, you know, kind of, you know, you've, you've heard Ice Cube, so you know kind yeah. of how diverse um, my musical yeah. tastes are, just generally. Um, so, I would say I'd have to add mm-hmm. Prince. I'm a huge fan of Prince, but sort of maybe two years ago, I started listening to one album in particular called Piano and a Microphone 1983. And it's literally just him, uh, you know, with his, I mean, he was just an incredible everything Prince, wasn't he really? So it's just him and a piano and a microphone, um, just singing his songs. And there's something really wonderful about, I'm really into my songwriters, and there's something really wonderful just about seeing that kind of intimacy. 
he was obviously a very good pianist and an incredible guitarist, but even if someone is perhaps just less proficient, there's something really wonderful just about seeing people accompany themselves singing their own songs. Right, it's locked in. You've got two places left. Two more. Um, Then it would have to be Sassy, Sarah Vaughan. Um, She's probably my oh, I mean, you know there's so many and john hendrix is sort of you know my 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 god my scat god but there's something about sarah vaughan and her voice she's probably the one that i've listened mm. to the most um with john hendrix just as a jazz vocalist and there's an album called after hours it's the one she released in 1961 because there's another one called after hours in 1955 but um i don't think it's it's just as special although obviously it's still incredible and it's got my favorite things and it's just quite a mellow album in a sentimental mood it's kind of got lots of ballads and the instrumentation is beautiful easy to love which starts sort of double bass and voice and you just get a real sense so again quite an intimate album i suppose and you know because she's obviously recorded lots of things with big bands and sort of bigger outfits and just yeah just beautiful yeah so this is this is interesting we have prince at one hand and we have sarah vaughan at the other both currently connected by this pair back intimacy where are we going with number three so totally different here um she's probably yeah one of my fa- favorite female musicians she's always kind of pushed boundaries not scandinavian because she's icelandic but uh, you know i went to reykjavik and it's just the most incredible place uh, so um you know the one and only bjork um probably as far as tunes go post her 1995 mm-hmm. album uh, but homogenic which has yoga which is actually a song that we're going to include in the next album as isq um homogenic was amazing because it really started bringing out her production yeah. skills and she's just an incredibly inventive musician and an incredibly inventive producer which she's she's very outspoken about you know she's never quite had the recognition that she deserves um, from that point of view and you can do you know what I'm going to do it's the first time in 36 episodes Elena I'm going to let you have two albums by Bjork so you can yeah. have Post and <laughs> you can have Homogenic uh, because I you know I, I just I give I don't take yes this is that's the way to be Chris <laughs> that's why you love jazz obviously you give what you don't take <laughs> yeah um, right okay well this is wonderful that's a great um, a great trio uh, and we'll check them all out we don't know them already So it's finally time to sort out our house band. Some say, well, I do anyway, that it's the most eclectic fantasy band in podcast show business. So currently in the band, we've got Carla Blay on piano. Mm -hmm. We have Mm -hmm. Ed Thigpen on drums. Mm. We have Eberhard Weber on bass. Joe Tempoli on bass saxophone and sometimes baritone. And the late John Hassel on trumpet. Now... Your task, Galena, is to remove one musician, if you fancy, it's not a necessity, but also bring in a new player. And the new player can be from any point in jazz history. Who should you like to add to the band? Um, I would... Well, I've got to add a vocalist, don't I, really? Too right! (laughs) That's... I would probably add Norm... I'd love to hear Norma Winston sing with Carla Blay. So I think I'd add Norma Winston. Wonderful. Well, Norma's never been in the band. This is very exciting. Uh, and likewise, I'd love to see what she and Carla did. Yeah, you know, I think and it there's, would be incredible. And there's the potential. Yeah. They, they, may, they might yet do something. I mean, they're, they're, they're I still I know, exactly, which strong. is why, you know, I'm putting it out there in the world. You know, I'm just putting it out there in the world. You never know. <laughs> so thank you so much for being with us today. It's been just thrilling to, to hear your honest and, and insightful reflections. Um, what, what shows have you got coming up before Christmas? Where can we check you out? So, um... 
before Christmas, we have we're doing the London Jazz Festival. Cool. We're doing uh, the London Jazz Festival as part of Women in Jazz. Nice, nice, uh, nice media. Nice. It's a festival, yeah, that they're running at Toulouse Lautrec Jazz Club. So we're playing Saturday the twentieth. We're going to preview some of you know a few new tunes, um, and we're going to be playing sort of from our you know past three albums. We're even going to be playing uh, one of the reimaginings, uh, Nadia's. Amazing. Um, so that should be really exciting. Next year, we're trying to well, we have a few dates um colchester arch center i think in march and then we have some dates in the north so we're trying to get a sort of mini tour in the north sort of at the end of may beginning of june nice. uh, north of england so yeah so lots of stuff happening is there a website or a good place to, to look up or should we just google isq what's, what's yes what's the best way well to we're out? kind of everywhere you know yeah yeah we're kind of sort of facebook instagram youtube twitter but we do also have a very nice website um and you can find that at isqmusic.com Perfecto. Thank you very much. So, if you have liked what you've listened to today, do not forget to subscribe. And if you want to know more about The Jazz Junction, as I said, our website is at whatforjazzjunction.com. Or you too can follow us on social, whatever it is, Insta, Facebook, even TikTok. Um, Email us as well if you'd like to at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com. But of course, only to say very nice things. Until the next time, it's goodbye, lovely listener. It's goodbye, Arena. Bye, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe and always remember to connect with something new. Bye. Mm-hmm.